Welcome to Naomi's Table, a Bible study podcast for women. I'm your host, Amy Spreeman. Check out all the Bible studies at Naomi'sTable.com. Now here's teacher Beth Seifert with today's lesson in 2 Corinthians. So pull up a chair, open your Bibles, and let's begin. Well, welcome back today to our study in the book of 2 Corinthians, ladies. Today we'll be in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 1 through 10. And I've titled this lesson, Day 8, Temporary Tent versus Permanent Home. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and open to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, starting in verse 1. For we know that if the tent that is our earthly home is destroyed, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. For in this tent we groan, longing to put on our heavenly dwelling, if indeed by putting it on we may not be found naked. For while we are still in this tent, we groan, being burdened, not that we would be unclothed, but that we would be further clothed, so that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. He who has prepared us for this very thing is God, who has given us the Spirit as a guarantee. So we are always of good courage. We know that while we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord, for we walk by faith, not by sight. Yes, we are of good courage, and we would rather be away from the body and at home with the Lord. So whether we are at home or away, we make it our aim to please Him. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. This one is honestly a little close to home for me right now, as I watch a loved one who does not know Christ prepare to meet him face to face. Our bodies, ladies, aren't going to last forever. We will be given new ones when Christ returns, but we know that if this body that we are currently dwelling in is destroyed, we have the hope of an eternal dwelling with Christ that does not depend on these temporary bodies. We will have an eternal dwelling in eternal, renewed, real bodies, bodies that are not perishable as these current ones are. Thus, Paul refers to these bodies that we are currently in as tents. They are temporary, not made for permanent use, but they are where we survive until we go to our permanent home. In our current bodies, we groan, not just because our bodies are not perfect, not just because of pain and disease, but our bodies testify to the fall, to sin in our world, and to the reality that this is not what we were meant to be. When these bodies die, we will be clothed in our resurrection bodies, either clothed with Christ and found to be in Him, or clothed only in ourselves, naked and not fit for an eternity with God. We don't desire to be unclothed to be no longer tented at all, but we desire to be tented in Christ, to be counted part of him, and to be clothed in his righteousness. The choice is simple, to be clothed with Christ or to be found naked. Only that which Christ provides will actually last. We, as believers, long for what we are destined for, in eternity with Christ, enjoying real life with him. 
We aren't suicidal, longing to end our mortal toil, but we are longing for the preamble that is this life to be over so that we can be where we were meant to be with God, the one who prepared us for eternity, clothing us with that which is imperishable, is God himself. We long for what God has prepared for those that are his. And we have proof that has been given to us as a down payment or a guarantee in the Holy Spirit living inside of us. He is working in our lives, sanctifying us, convicting us of sin, encouraging us and strengthening us, pointing us to the hope we truly do have in Christ. Our bodies will be destroyed one day, ladies. This world is not our home, and the last time I checked, the mortality rate was 100%. 100% of those born will die. Yet our eternal home is not dependent on these bodies. These bodies will not last. They are wasting away. Again, recall 1 Corinthians 15 and Paul's teaching about our physical resurrection bodies. We have an eternity in those bodies, and those bodies will not perish or break down. God will give us those bodies which are somehow tied to our current bodies, but are imperishable. And we know this because Christ was the first to be raised to eternity in this way. Yet look at the emphasis we see Paul place here. We see the tent of our bodies here contrasted with the building from God. A tent versus a building. Which is going to endure? The tent is of man. It's corrupted by sin, and death is an ever-present reality. The building is of God, eternal, perfectly holy, and death is not an issue for God. We see the contrast between the fading nature of our human tents and the solid assurance of the building which God will provide. At every comparison, what is to come is so much better than what currently is. Because of all this, the hope we have, the promises we've been given, the strength and grace to face each day, it should impact our attitudes, our outlooks, as it impacted Paul. Paul was of good courage. Are we of good courage, or are we discontent and irritated? While here, in these earthly bodies, we are away from the Lord, walking by faith in God, not based on what we see or what our senses show us. Our hope is in God, not in our circumstances. Can you say that? Do your circumstances dictate your faith? Or does your faith in God persist regardless of the circumstances you are in? When suffering truly comes, that's when we often see whether we were relying on God or relying on ourselves. Paul, despite the suffering that he endured, saw that all as a light and momentary affliction as we saw last time. His circumstances did not dictate his hope. His faith was rooted and grounded in Christ and in his resurrection, and no circumstance could change that. Is that true of my life? Is it true of yours? Paul doesn't mince words here either. Again, he is not suicidal, he's not planning his own death, and he's not being maudlin or Eeyore-ish here. He is sincerely expressing the desire to be with God in heaven. He would far rather be with God in eternity in fellowship with the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, in person, without sin, without death or grief, than still be in this mortal life on earth. Yet he is content to remain as long as God has him remain. And while he is still in the body, he will make it his aim to please God.
Wow. I got to tell you, the world suffers far differently than those who are truly in Christ. I've recently had the opportunity to watch those who are suffering without Christ, and it's heartbreaking. All they can think about is pleasing themselves. All they can think about is what they want or what they feel that they deserve. There's no consideration for anyone outside of their own suffering, and while they may give an intellectual assent to the existence of God and of Jesus our Lord, they have zero interest in the things of God or even of discussing God in their suffering. All they want is to escape the suffering, for the suffering to be done. And the selfishness in their suffering leads to such bitterness and resentment that no matter what help they are given, they're not grateful. Their only comfort will be found in escaping their current suffering, but even then, they see that escape as only what is due them. They have no idea of the grace that is showered on them every day that they are alive. The Christian should be suffering far differently. I've learned much from watching these others suffer, and I can tell you that my desire is to suffer well when suffering comes to me, to endure whatever God gives to me, still knowing that He is good, still holding fast to the eternal promises He has given, and to praise Him even when things are their bleakest. I know that God gives us the strength and the grace to endure whatever we must endure when the time comes, and I'm grateful. Wherever we are at, ladies, our goal doesn't change. Our goal is to honor and glorify God in everything, in affliction or in times of ease and comfort. Paul's words here give me comfort, to be honest. He says, we make it our aim to please him. This isn't something that is just part of Paul's personality. This isn't an eternally optimistic mindset. No, there is effort involved here. There is work, but the goal, the aim is to please God And that is where we should all be focused. We talked about this yesterday, but it's worth repeating. Paul's life was lived with the reality of eternity at the forefront, always, and the reality of the judgment of God that was to come. Judgment is real. Paul was so heavenly minded, he was of infinite earthly good. His life demonstrated that he understood that both heaven and hell were real, and his goal was to win as many as possible for Christ knowing that judgment was truly coming for all. The day is coming for all of us when we will receive what is due to us. Either we are trusting in our own abilities and our own righteousness and have rejected God, or we are trusting in Him to have taken our punishment so there is no longer payment due on our heads. Ladies, our righteous deeds are, as Isaiah says, as filthy rags before our holy God. Even our good deeds are so tainted with our own selfishness and our own pride that they don't do anything to balance the debt we owe to God. It is only through Christ's sacrifice that we can stand at all. He literally took the punishment we deserved, and he drank God's wrath down on your behalf. God's wrath should have been poured out on you and on me. But if we are in Christ, Christ is the one who took the wrath of God, the righteous wrath of God in our place. We will see this even more clearly in tomorrow's lesson as we see one of the simplest explanations of the gospel in all of the New Testament. But for today, just ponder the promise we have of an eternity with God as he has prepared a place for those who are truly his. Now, one thing I need to expound on is this concept here of the judgment to come. In scripture, we see that the judgment seat is also called the bema, 
which actually was an elevated platform where victorious athletes went to receive their crowns. In the New Testament, that is also used to describe the place of judgment, for example, when Jesus stood before Pilate. There he stood before the judgment seat, or the bema, as Pilate judged him. Here, though, the use of this is in the first sense, that of a victorious athlete being given their reward. Corinth, of all places, was a culture that would totally understand this. They hosted one of the most famous competitions of the ancient world, not the Olympic Games, but the Isthmian Games. So as Paul uses this term here, they would understand that this was a place where both legal justice was dispensed and awards were given. Thus, this actually is describing one of my favorite aspects of heaven. There will be rewards in heaven. We will receive what is due for what we have done in eternity. And this is the part that I love about that. We won't be envious of anyone because they received more than we did. That's what I love. And it floors me every time I think of it. God will reward his faithful servants. I won't look at anyone else and be jealous or desire what they have. I will praise God for blessing and rewarding his faithful servants. When we studied 1 Corinthians 3, we also saw this concept as we saw that there would be some who would be saved as through a fire, having started with the right foundation and wandered from it, but who were still at the end of the day truly saved. Their salvation will be secure, but just barely. But I look forward to genuinely being excited for my brothers and sisters in Christ as God rewards them for their work. I look forward to having no sin within me any longer, no envy or resentment or anything else to mar my delight on their behalf, no desire for my own glory. Won't that be amazing? So just a few questions for you today, ladies. And a few of these I asked earlier, so if you haven't had a chance to ponder them yet, well, here you go. How do you respond to suffering? Do circumstances dictate your hope? Where is your confidence truly placed? Do you know that this world is not your home? Or are you clinging to the things of this world? Are you sharing the truth and hope you have with those around you, knowing that this world is fading away and that eternity matters? It can be so hard to share the gospel with those we love so dearly, knowing that they may reject the gospel and that they may reject us as well. But are we letting our fear keep us from offering to them the only hope any of us have? Remember, ladies, we aren't better than anyone else. We are just poor beggars showing other beggars where we found bread. You can't make them eat. You can't even make them want that bread. But, oh, that we may be offering that bread of life to those around us. These earthly tents are truly temporary, and our eternal home is sure. If your circumstances today are causing you to lose sight of that, take heart and reread this passage today. Your circumstances are not a surprise to the Creator of the universe. He has not abandoned you. He is trustworthy, and He is still good. Hold fast to Him. Ladies, you'll find the notes for this study under the Bible Studies tab of the website, naomistable.com, day 8, Temporary Tent versus Permanent Home.